Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, it is the first week of our summer of mentorship. And this year, we're doing something a little bit different. We're having new interviews with past guests. This week's guest came on the show in 2017. She's an Australian mom transplant to seven grown children. Please welcome Helen Smallbone. I do liken parenting and mothering as a marathon. It's long. <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah. You don't know what the finish line's going to look like. You don't even sometimes know what the journey is, how many hills you're going to climb, how many bends you're going to go around. So what a marathon runner does is they pace themselves. They keep going slow and steady. The other thing we're doing in this Summer of Mentorship series is I'm asking guests to share with us their unique mom brands. I wrote about it in my book, Don't Mom Alone, and I'm going to expand on it in this series. We're going to talk about what do they value, what are some of their unique assignments and challenges, and what helps their family flourish. And in this episode, Helen's sharing about her values of training her children in respect and helping siblings get along, getting time for herself in the long game of parenting. She wrote more about their assignments in her new book, Behind the Lights, The Extraordinary Adventure of a Mum and Her family. Several of her kids work together now with the band for King and Country. Her daughter is Rebecca St. James. We have a lot to learn from her. But more than anything, I hope that hearing from Helen helps you refine and define your own unique mom brand. Some of the things she shared may fit with your family, but some of them may not be a fit for you. And that's okay. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Helen. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Well, thank you so very much for having me. I uh, have loved going back and listening to the episode we recorded in 2017. And then we had you as part of our summer mentorship in 2019. And so this year with summer mentorship, we're bringing past guests on and talking to them about their unique mom brands and talking about specifics with that so that we as moms can really embrace who we are and the families we've given and the assignments we have. And instead of trying to feel like we're someone else, not being who God made us to be or what he has planned for us. And I think your family has a unique journey. You have a unique journey. I would love for us to talk about it. So I would say, I mean, I've heard your whole story and y'all go back to that episode so you can hear the whole thing. (laughs) But as a mom with seven kids, what did you find you valued as a parent? What was most important to you? Definitely raising kids who have a relationship with Jesus. I think the problem for generational Christians is that a lot of times they know about Jesus, they know about the Bible, they know about church, they know, but they've actually got to experience it from themselves in order to them to own their own faith. And so probably my number one priority, value, whatever, is to raise kids who recognize that it is not generational Christianity, Mm -hmm. that they actually have to have a relationship with Jesus on their own and to encourage that from as an early age as you can because the longer that they grow in Jesus, the stronger they'll become. Uh, That has to be the, the number one value of all. 
And just knowing the Bible verses and knowing about him, I mean, it's good and it's good foundation, but until they experience Jesus, there's two levels. You have to have the knowledge of what Jesus is, how he's leading you, what his requirements are, like where he's taking you. But until you experience Jesus in your own life, it'd be really go, it's really more head knowledge. Once you experience Jesus, then it becomes heart knowledge. And heart knowledge takes us through the hard times, takes us through the good times, keeps our head together, keeps us growing. And so for me, that's the number one. Secondly, as a parent and as a mum, I believe we're given two major assignments. One is to teach kids to be obedient and to teach kids to be respectful as to us as parents, to God as God. And so to me, those go hand in hand to, to raise kids who are respectful and to know how to respect you, to, to be obedient. I just think that's so vital. And I see it missing in a lot of families these days. It's like we've raised kids up onto a friend level more so than being children mm. and recognising that we are in charge, that we are their parents, that we, in a way, if you want to put it, we are their bosses for the moment. And we're raising them and teaching them and guiding them and mentoring them. And But they're children. They're not our friends. So it's interesting you bring this up. We just had an episode on gentle parenting, like a Christ-centered version and obedience. And this concept that's coming in of having relationship with your kids that motivates obedience. So how in your training of obedience and respect did you maintain relationship and connectedness with your kids? Because I know that they all adore you. Your boys write songs for you. I mean, this is what we want. We want long-term relationship with our kids. And so I think moms are struggling with knowing how to achieve those things, but also not lose relationship. It's interesting that you had a podcast on gentle parenting because I see, again, I see parents and moms these days being probably what I would deem too gentle. Um, I was very firm with my kids. They knew I was in charge. I could change my tone and they would be like, oh, I'm treading <laughs> on dicey ground. Or I could give them a look and they'd be like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. So they knew what my expectations were. And it wasn't like it was a harshness to get obedience. No, in. because harshness, harshness present, creates bitterness and resentment. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. You actually have to monitor it. I do think there are times, but firmness is definitely a part of it. Like harshness is, is cruel. Yeah. Firmness is saying this is a boundary, this is a line, and you will walk within this line. You will walk within these, this boundary. And, this, and it is for your good that you're learning to walk within these boundaries. And if you go out, Side those boundaries, there will be consequences, and those consequences will follow through. I think to keep to keep long term relationship with your child, there's two important things. You've got to understand your child's heart. So you've got to understand who they are, what's important to them, how they receive discipline, how they receive love, and then you've got to practice the firmness and the consequences with forgiveness and restitution. I find a lot of parents are so stretched emotionally 
that they haven't got time to resolve issues. So they allow the slammed door and the disconnect between parent and child. Basically, I think I've only ever really had one that I can remember slammed door Mm. of a child being so angry, they walked down the hallway, slammed the door. I gave everybody else assignments, okay, either go to your room, sit and play here, do this. I prayed and then I went down to that room and and I was livid. I mean, we had had a total disconnect, like a total disconnect. So I had to calm myself down. To do that, I basically went to my room, prayed, got myself in control. Then I went down and I opened the door and still pretty angry, I said, don't you ever do that to me again. That is not on. I understand you're angry with me. I understand you're disappointed. And frankly, I'm with you at the moment too. So we're both in the same place. And I think that's fine for a child to understand. And then I said, I know that at this point, you probably don't even really like me, but you love me and I love you. And even when we don't necessarily like one another, we're going to stand on that love. And that love means we action the love even when we're not necessarily in like. And to do that, you're going to come and give me a hug. And it was funny because the, the boy at the time would have been I reckon he was 10. Mm, 10. Mm, 10-year-old boys. Come on. And <laughs> I tell you what, every time I'm like, what is up with 10 and 11? Yeah. Well, I reckon he was 10. He might have been nine, but he would, but pretty much around that age. And when I said, you're going to action on your love for me and you're going to come and give me a hug. First up, he sat there like, no way. And then he thought about it and then he looked at me and then he came Hmm. and we hugged one another. We both cried and then we prayed together. Hmm. And to me, that is a full circle restitution of relationship. If I had left him mad at me, that disconnect would have continued through. It would have been easier for him to disconnect next time he was angry with me. It would have been easier for him not to talk it through. It would have been easier for us to go our separate ways. And that's the beginning of a destructive relationship. And it can happen in any child, in any age group. But to follow through and go through to total relationship restoration teaches them conflict resolution in their marriages, in their families, in their own life. And it keeps us connected together. And I'll say I have one that that situation was on a regular basis for years for him, his unique wiring, the way his brain goes to a certain place when something doesn't go his way. And so that like repairing over and over again is tedious and tiring. If you're that mom, it is. Who's it like, is. I just keep repairing and I keep repairing and I, and then you, but there's hope. <laughs> I'll just tell mm-hmm. you like, as they grow, they, that can be something that if you continually stay consistent, well, I'm not a consistent person. If you continue to pursue that, it will reap benefits. And so even if it's year, even if it's years, if it's years of it. Sometimes I've noticed that the child who acts out most, and I have a statement that I make, that negative attention is better than no attention at all. 
So a lot of times the negative attention that you can receive, particularly from one child, often means they feel like they're getting lost. Do you know what I mean? Like that they're not being heard, that they're not being seen, that they're not getting enough attention. So once I see a child getting into trouble too many times, I'll sit back and ask, okay, again, is this a stage? (laughs) Is something going on at school with friends? Are they being rejected outside the home in some form? Is there tension between siblings that Mm -hmm. someone's putting them down all the time or um, overwhelming them? So look at their life and see if you can problem solve why this child is feeling as vulnerable as he is. And then once you've gone there, then it could be for me (laughs) a reflection of something that I'm doing. So then I'll try and invest more time in that child and reinforce positive behaviour. Because what I've also noticed about parenting, we get on the tough behaviour. We'll spend ages dealing with consequences and tough behaviour. And then the child who's good is totally unnoticed. Yeah. And so you've got to so keep an eye on both. I mean, parenting and mothering is not for the faint heart. It <laughs> is hard, consistent, every day, get your hands dirty, you're in the trenches, work. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> I don't think it'd sell many. <laughs> but anyway. Parenting is hard. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me. I create this imagined scenario where I'm going to all of a sudden have lots of extra time in the next season. And I believe, oh, yeah, sure, I'll be really consistent with moving my body during the summer if I haven't been in the spring. Well, okay, there's no easy button. And if I'm going to make this a priority, if I really am going to value moving my body and staying able to keep up with my boys, one thing that's helping me do that more easily is the Peloton app. I will tell you, just even this morning, I opened the app on my iPad. I pulled up a shadow boxing class, a 20-minute class with Kindle Tool, and already I am feeling pumped. I'm feeling good. I didn't need extra equipment. I'm still in my PJs. Okay, y'all. And I'm making it happen. So if you are like me and you're trying to make this work in your schedule, check out the Peloton app. It is awesome. They have cycling classes. If you're an outdoor runner, if you enjoy HIIT cardio, whatever you like to do, yoga, you are going to find out it's great. You can do it in the privacy of your home. No judgment. No worrying about locker room situations. Whatever works for your schedule. And right now is a perfect time to also try out Peloton. The Peloton Bike Plus is now $500 less. It's the best price yet, and it includes free delivery and setup. And there are more game-changing prices available on the original Peloton bike and the Peloton tread. So visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. So in looking at your mom brand, I love all that you've said about what your value and obedience and respect and just bringing your children to experience Jesus is all amazing. As you have discipled these children, you have been in lots of different places as a family. You've been their teacher, all these different assignments that you've been given by God. Talk to us through that. What have been unique assignments you've been given? Well, probably the most unique assignment that we've been given is to work together as a family. Um, It really started, in some ways, 
we, we came to Australia in 1991 when the kids, our eldest daughter, Rebecca, was 14. Um, prior to that, we did work together to some degree, but we had a much more not normal life. So my husband was in concert, Christian concert promotion. And so we would do Christian concerts in Australia and we would help with mail outs, um, with sometimes we had to go and put flyers out on people's cars when there are church services or rallies or whatever. And then we would do mail outs. The kids would help stuff envelopes and put stamps on. And then when it came time to the actual events of the concerts, we would go to the concerts together as a family. Um, so it started there, but really it was when we came to America. So when we came to America, we had lost everything. We were living by faith. And so then we actually had to close in quarters and, and spend time together. We started picking up day-to-day -day jobs of raking leaves, mowing lawns, babysitting, cleaning houses, sort of cash jobs that helped put food on the table. And we did those together as a family. Mm. And I think we grow, grew so much in relationship with one another that to be together was great strength and comfort. And so from there, and we were homeschooling. So from there, when Rebecca got signed in 1994, we ended up becoming sort of actually, once she started touring a year or two later, we actually did it together, all together as a family. So we went out on the road uh, together. And then the boys who were ranging in age from probably 14 down to four, probably, but probably the four-year-old wasn't doing too much. Um, but the other ones from there, six, so probably 14 down to six or so, were actually crew. And so they were helping load in and set up stage and lights and sound. So that's a very unique assignment. Not many people are asked to no. one, work together as a family and then two, to actually do it in, in making a concert happen. And what I love when I ask different moms this question is sometimes we would think, you know how everyone wants to be a good mom. And mm -hmm. you think, oh, a good mom doesn't make her kids work, right? Some mm -hmm. people would say that, but you can testify that although it may be an atypical or what you would maybe think, oh no, I should have these happy memories where we all go to Disney World and you wouldn't trade it, I'm guessing. No, in actual fact, I think one of the problems with kids with um, anxiety and depression that they're facing, particularly during, since the COVID years, is the fact that they've lost a sense of purpose. And to me, work provides a great sense of purpose, a great sense of achievement, and a great sense of reward and value. Mm -hmm. And so to teach kids work, even when they don't like it or want to do it, actually is a great training ground for a lot of life skills. And not to mention that Joel and Luke had backstage experience on all the parts of putting on a show. Mm -hmm which mm -hmm. just was part of their journey. And mm -hmm. each of our kids are on their own unique journey. That's it. And That's these, it. these different experiences play into that positive, yeah. negative. And so what were some of the difficult things? I mean, we're talking about the benefits of working together and the benefits of working on tour, but what were some challenges? Probably because Rebecca was very well known, um, there was one son who actually found it hard to always be known as Rebecca's brother. Hmm. Most of the others did not worry so much, but one son found it quite, he wanted his own identity, he wanted his own, he wanted separation from that conglomerate and from that sort of uh, career. 
So he sort of, he was the first to leave the road. Um, he was the first to sort of establish more his own identity. It's funny because as life tends to go be cyclical, he is still working uh, for, for King and Country in, in a capacity as all the five boys. I, I, we have booking girls and five boys in the middle. So all those five boys actually work for, for King Country in some form or another. And a lot of those, are it's like they've learned combined skills, together skills, but they've also learned their own unique area as well. So that was probably one of the hardest relationship between one another, how to treat each other nicely, yeah. respectfully, um, not pay out or push on buttons. That's probably another element when you're spending a lot of time together <laughs> to, yeah. to teach a cohesiveness of relationship. Let's talk about uh, that because moms are headed into <laughs> summer and that I think, especially if your kids are not homeschooled and they don't spend a lot of time together when you then have the re-entry and everyone's home. I mean, they've worked maybe together the last two years, but it, I feel like there's a re-entry point where my boys are having to navigate spending lots more time together and we settle yeah. in, but I'm, it's like retraining every summer. So what were some of your training tips on that? Well, I think I used to, when there was a real disconnect between two siblings, part of the consequences for that was either one had to serve the other, whatever that might look like. Yeah. What, what would be some examples of that? It might be getting them a snack or lunch or doing a chore for them or um, sometimes it was playing a game together and making sure that they spent more time together. So, you know, something like, um, is it guess who, you know, something that is just a two-person game yeah. that they've actually got to sit there and spend time together and play together. And frankly, if there was still disconnect, I was a big believer in actually doubling the punishment. Another big statement that I think is very vital in parenting, attitude comes before action. If you finding a child is having a attitude, like negative attitude, they, they're paying people out, then the next will be if you let it go and don't get on the attitude, the next will be action. They'll punch them, they'll push them, they'll hit them, you know, whatever. Um, so I got onto attitude. So you had to work with a good attitude or else it was a very easy solve. So say a child was to be packing the dishwasher and I found they were not being careful and sort of half throwing the things in the dishwasher or not doing the job properly, I would just go and inspect the work and say, I'm sorry, but you haven't done that job the way that you were showed to, shown to do it. So you'd probably need more practice. You can do it for dinner as well. And I tell you, <laughs> when, you double, when you double up the work and it's a simple consequence and it makes sense, you do the job with a good attitude and you do the job properly or else you need more practice. I mean, you need to do it more. So they learn pretty fast that self-protection of, you know what, it probably pays to do the job properly first time and it probably pays to do the job with good attitude. So that was a great natural consequence. So with siblings, if they still didn't get on, then the consequences would get more. You know what I mean? Like if they didn't, and obviously laughter and, I don't know, working together and making it happen, eventually they just, 
they realise it's better to be together than it is to be apart or have the consequences of, I mean, having to serve your brother. I mean, that's that might be pretty interesting, you know? What can I do to serve you? <laughs> well, and I like how you communicate it. It's just matter of fact. There's not a oh, lot yeah. of emotion. No, no. No. Like I get, I in my past and I'm getting, I'm growing up a little bit. But there was so much of just being frustrated that they had the bad attitude that I would come in with so much emotion of like, I can't believe you have this bad attitude. And, and that just stirred up more. It made it such a emotional interaction <laughs> that didn't need to be. So I appreciate when I hear mentors and they're just kind of like a matter of fact, like, well, it looks like you need more practice. So you'll be doing it for dinner. Like there's no then whining and complaining that could come in if I did it. Okay, well, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Now you have to do it again at dinner. And then they're like, no, I don't want to. So what energy I bring into it, I think. Right, right. Back. And if they were to come back and say, no, I don't want to. Well, basically, I'll just probably send them to their room and say, okay, until you can get yourself out of that funk place that you're in and come back, then you can just stay in your room because you're not worth your your demeanor and the energy that you're bringing into the room to the relationships is so negative that until you can leave yeah and go and change that yeah then it's you're impacting the rest of us too much and that has to do with tantrums like just go to your room if you want you, it's fine for you to scream and carry on i'm happy for you to do that but just do it in your room and, and there's no point i mean who wants to go and scream and yell in their room the whole point of screaming and yelling is to get you upset, you know, to annoy you. So if they, so if they settle down and then when they come back, you could just say, so you're all okay now? Okay, well, come and give me a hug and let's move on. But, you know, it's, and touch is vital. Yeah. Touch is vital. Yeah. You know, it's so restorative relationally mm. that mm. touch, when you know as a parent you've, you've handled something poorly, going and saying, I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing there. Forgive mummy. Praying together. Yeah. Practicing Jesus principles in our day-to-day -day life with our kids is huge. I mean, yeah. it, it, Jesus knew what he was doing when he, he showed us the right way to live relationally. And it's our job as mums to bring that into our home and practice it with our kids and teach them because those kids are the world of tomorrow. And mm. so how we raise them with the way they treat us as parents and they treat their siblings and friends is huge for the way they're going to be as adults. It's a training ground. So good. Everything is more expensive right now, but I still have some values and some standards I want to hold while saving money. And thankfully, Thrive Market helps me do both. I love that I can shop online for all of my healthy pantry essentials, my non-toxic cleaning and beauty products, and then they're delivered right to my door, saving money on gas. And they also vet every product they carry, so I can trust that it's the best. Right now, I've been looking for really good sunscreen. So one, I'm a skin cancer survivor, so I'm a big fan of good sunscreen. Two, my boys can have reactions to certain chemicals in various sunscreens, so I have to look really carefully at the ingredients. And I found a great option on Thrive Market. It's actually their own brand. It's FAE, which stands for For All Everywhere. And it's 32% off, which as we go through so much sunscreen, 
that helps me a lot. If you are looking for a specific diet, plant-based, keto, gluten-free, if you want zero waste, you're going to find all that at Thrive Market. They have you covered. You're going to save up to 30% off the best organic groceries. And I have an amazing, amazing deal for you. If you join Thrive Market today, you are going to get 80 $80 in free groceries. That's Thrive Market, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash DMA to get $80 in free groceries. Thrivemarket.com slash DMA, thrivemarket.com slash DMA. I don't know about you, but I appreciate when mentors come on and give me perspective that what I'm doing with my kids today impacts the adult's they're becoming. Another thing that is helping me think long-term with less stress and a little more ease is fabric. So it was built specifically for parents to help you manage your family's financial future like a pro. I love that through Fabric and their online hub, I can quickly and easily track my family's finances all in one place. I can get fast and affordable life insurance. So you can go on and in less than 10 minutes to apply, you can be offered coverage instantly with no health exam and they will personalize your quote to fit your needs. There are great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar today. The other thing I can do on the hub is create a will for my family. I can set up my boy's college savings plan. I can even establish a rainy day savings fund. Planning for the future has never been easier and there's no risk to apply, Fabric has a 30-day money-back guaranteed you can cancel at any time. So protect your family with term life insurance now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash DMA. That's meet, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash DMA, meetfabric.com slash DMA to start protecting your family today. Fabric insurance agency policies are issued by Vantis Life and not available in New York and Montana. Prices are subject to underwriting and health questions. And I think as mine have gotten older, I'm getting tired. Did you find uh -huh. yourself, like you said earlier, yeah. we, before we started recording, it's this marathon. You don't know it's what's around the corner and how did, with seven, how do you keep going? <laughs> right, right. So in a marathon, because I do liken parenting and mothering as a marathon, it's long. <laughs> It's hard work. Yeah. You don't know what the finish line's going to look like. You don't even sometimes know what the journey is, how many hills you're going to climb, how many bends you're going to go around. So what a marathon runner does is they pace themselves. They keep going slow and steady. In doing that for me, what worked for me was I basically pretty much every day had what I deem as a mum's timeout. <laughs> and so I taught people usually after lunch, Okay, quiet time. Everybody to your room. You can read. I wouldn't use media because I don't like media in people's rooms. So I would say you can read. You can play quietly on your bed. You can get a couple of toys, whatever, and play quietly if that's what you want to do. Usually it was reading once they got a bit older, especially. And I'm and you can't make any noise or basically leave your room until I come out. And I would go to my room and have some days I would sleep, depending if I had babies, whatever, I might nap. And it was when babies were down. Yeah. So, you know, whatever during time, nap time. Yeah. suited, mm -hmm. during nap time, everybody went to their rooms, everybody had a quiet time. Sometimes the older kids would actually go to sleep 
you know, they could be 12 and still go to sleep. Sometimes they would just stay in there quietly and there could be multiple kids in the room and they just had to stay on their beds. But what it did for me, some days I slept. It wasn't work time. That's the other thing. Mums will use kids' nap times and if they have a quiet time, that quiet time, for them to get work done. When the kids get up again, you are you are tired. Yeah. So you're not in a great frame of mind. So for me, I do the work when the kids are out and about and with me and, you know, it's good modelling, good training, I might get them to help, whatever. But then when during this quiet time, mum's time out, I will either read, have my devotional time, I'll sleep. Sometimes I might just sit and have a cup of coffee, just whatever. And in that hour, I'm refreshed. And when they come back out again, I'm ready to tackle the rest of the day. What I found was if I continued to go on and work through that and not have that time, five to seven comes when we're in that peak, we're all on, we've got to do baths, we've got to get dinner, we've got to get kids to bed, kids are tired. I would become army-like, like, kid, get there, do this, do that. Get the, <laughs> and it was just like, and then at the end of the night, usually we were all at each other's throats sort of thing and it get into bed. I don't want to hear from any of you anymore. And I would sit there after I'd done it and I'm like, well, that wasn't a very nice display of being a mum. When I had the time out, I could last till they got into bed being quite happy with who I am. And I think for moms of the modern day, that hour isn't for scrolling. I mean, maybe I'd pull out my crochet. I had a friend, she would cross stitch or do something in that time. And it was such a good model for me because I would be doing dishes from lunch and all that. And she said, oh no, just sit on the couch. No, and, that's it. And that's create. It. And or, for some, it might be um, exercising. Yeah. yeah because that's exercise. what feeds them, fuels mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It's really individual to what is going to refuel you, fill your tank, emotionally and space and energy wise in order to be the best mum you can be when they're back out again. And that's a good advice in the summer when kids are home or moms whose kids go off to school. I think sometimes we fill up our day that they're at school and then we pick them up and we're so spent. So maybe even that hour before you go to pick up, it's like downtime for you, no phone, rest, take a nap, whatever it is so that you finish well. Um, I think that's great advice. Okay, before we have to go, you've kind of said it, but what was important to your family to flourish? It it sounds like that rhythm was really helpful for you to flourish. Uh, Mm -hmm. Was there something specific in the summer that y'all loved or with your rhythm of touring and all that? I'm sure there were different things. Getting outside getting kids outside. Mm -hmm. There's two things that I think the current mum is a little afraid of. And because of media, media fills our spaces. It fills our spaces and it fills our children's spaces. So a kid comes and says, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. Oh, well, we need to put on a movie or yeah, you can go and play video games or I don't know. It it tends to just be media, you know, because that's Any kind of screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any kind of screen. Yeah. So um, my encouragement would be to limit your screen time and make it work for you so you're in charge of all the buttons and the, you know, game boy thing, whatever. The devices, all of it. The devices, you're in charge. So when it suits you, 
then you can use it um, to, for the family's benefit. But kids these days don't have much space. They don't have much headspace. They don't have much outdoor time. They don't have in much boredom. And all those things are actually positives, not negatives. So a kid comes and says, I'm bored, we fill the space instead of saying, well, what do you think you could do? I don't know. Everything's so boring. We'll <laughs> just, why don't you just go outside? But there's nothing to do outside. All right. Well, then I think you need to find something to do. So you're outside now for the next hour. You know, whatever. Like, And actually, because what happens is when they're bored, they slip into a deeper zone of creativity. And before you know it, they've got the hose on. They're building a fort. They're making mud pies. They're, you know, whatever. So outside time, we were fortunate enough when our kids were in their major prior growing up years that we had a reasonable amount of land. And so they would get out and they did build the forts. They did play in the creek. They did build bridges. They did. And, and that is great for me because that gets them out of from under my feet, out from the house where they're making messes, it, even if it's in the backyard, you know, and you could you can research. I mean, everybody loves Pinterest. I mean, you could research outside activities and give them creative tools or ideas, but let them do it. I just think we're yeah. getting exercise, getting them to work, getting them to produce, getting them into creative zones. It's it's for their it's for their benefit, but I think where moms get stuck is it is excruciating to convince them and to hold the line of no, this is important enough to me to push through the uncomfortable of making it a family value. And maybe not all three of those can be your family value, but if you're starting from scratch, pick one. Is creativity most important? Is work ethic most important? Like maybe lean into one that you developed this summer and put a little energy into and see the benefits. And then you're going to be more interested in adding maybe a couple more. Maybe. And I found that if there was one child, especially inside the house, who was very disruptive, uh, very, I don't know, even if you pulled out some art or creativity, they just weren't feeling it. And they were trying to destroy whatever you were basically creating. Then it was a fairly common thing for me because I had five boys there was to say, okay, you obviously can't concentrate on this. So you need to leave. I think you should run around the house because you've got too much energy. Just run around the house. And I would, I think I've done it up to 10 times that they had to run around the house. When they came back in again, they were a whole stack better able to sit. Yep. No, I'm, I'm a big fan. We, we have a garage that is disconnected from the house. And I would say, okay, do some laps or trampoline. Yeah. Yeah. How many times can you jump on the trampoline? Yeah. When yeah. you have enough boys, you recognize yeah. like they need to move big just muscles. Gotta get it out. Mm-hmm. They've got to get it. They've got to get that activity out. And then you'll be surprised how much they can actually sit and be a part of something that's more sedentary if they just get it out. And it doesn't have to be, you know, again, a lot of times we think it has to be an organized game or it has to be something specific. But I tell you, running down and touching the back fence and coming back and touching the porch and doing it 10 times, putting a timer on, see if you can do it in five minutes, whatever. Just if you can make it fun, better. But if you can't make it fun, again, it's just obedience. It's just doing something that is for their benefit, even when they don't want to do it. Yeah. There's lots in my life that I don't want to do, but I know it's good for me. 
Definitely. <laughs> I have to push through, but, but really, yeah, figuring that out for your family, what matters to you and making that system. I love all the examples you've shared in this episode. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Look at this star <laughs> stepping out from all the rock stars she's raised um, behind the lights. Helen's new book that y'all can find wherever books are sold that shares more of their story. Great pictures inside of the whole crew. I cannot believe how much Luke looks like his boys or his boys look like oh, him. Oh, Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait a second. That's crazy. So thank you for being on today. Is there a website that they could connect with you? If, I know you have your own podcast. So tell them a little bit about that. Cause I, all of your mentoring, I love, I need to go listen to it. I have, uh, I do a podcast with an organization called Mum Life Community that we've set um, a younger mum and ma- I are the founding partners. And uh, we are doing a podcast once a week, pretty much from through Access More, but you can listen wherever. And it's called Mum Life Community. And it's really, it is a mentoring, it, it's, a, it's a group of mums that are together and we're directional in terms of one topic each time. And then we also have a group of mental mums that meet on that same topic. Um, one release when Mondays and one's released Thursday. And it's really disgusting because what happens when we get together as mums and talk, we find new creative ways of doing things because we've all lived slightly differently. Yeah. And so it's very beneficial and uh, very vulnerable, very honest, very real, uh, which is part of who I am, really. And if y'all didn't catch it, she did say mum. M-U-M. <laughs> it is M-U-M. And I've created my own version, which is mum, where I do the U and the O. It's fun. Um, but Well, the mum is actually an acronym. So it's an acronym okay. standing for Mothers Uplifting Mothers. I love that. I love that. And it's also internationally. It is. <laughs> the term America's of endearment. the only one who does M-O-M. So, yes. you know, being an international, when we got to do the, discussing what mum life was going to be, it was like, it has to be M-U-M. I'm sorry, but it, yeah. we're going to go wider than America. <laughs> it has to be M-U-M. And so the, the acronym thing makes it sort of more reasonable. For, the, for us Americans who like for to be you difficult. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Helen. I'm inspired and I've heard you before and I'm already inspired. I'm inspired again. I love it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Keep on keeping on. Oh, thank you. The marathon. Thanks y'all for listening. Remember that during the summer of mentorship, we are putting discussion questions in the show notes so you can get a little taste of what a podcast club is like. Basically, you just text a friend or Marco Polo a friend and say, hey, I listened to this episode. If you listen, you want to get together and we could get coffee or we could meet at a park or the pool or wherever and talk about it. It's just an excuse to get together with your people this summer and we give you the content and the the things to talk about. I also wanted to tell you, I, I put on Instagram this idea a mom shared where she and her friend, they have new babies, so they're in their baby carriers. So I get this might be harder with more kids, but they went to Costco together and another, another mom shared that um, her friend at like 8.30 texted her and said, hey, I'm going to go to Target and do my pickup. Do you want to come with me? And because kids were all asleep and husband was home, this mom joined her on her little Target errand. I had another mom say that she was with a friend and they were folding laundry together and listening to the show together and 
laughing and crying and all the things. So if you are someone who that is your value, you want to be with other moms, but it can seem overwhelming. You can't think of ways to do that. I hope those ideas spur something in you. And if that sounds not fun, then no worries. Don't do that. I'm going to pray for us before we end. Lord, I thank you for Helen. I thank you for the generation before us and how they inspire us and pull up our intention to expect more of our kids. I pray, Lord, that you would help give discernment to the moms and dads listening to know what was for them and what's not for them and to release any guilt um, or any condemnation that's not from you. But if there is a prick or a conviction um, or a shift that they want to make in their homes, that you would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, guide them in that. If not, Lord, I pray that you'd help them release it. And I pray that you would help us know how you made each of our families and to trust you in this long journey before us. I pray for siblings this summer that you would help us guide their relationships. And I pray that you would fill us each with just wisdom, Lord, to know how to parent well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, see you back here next week for week two of the Summer of Mentorship. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.